Getting stuff ready here. Welcome, welcome to my podcast. It's been an eventful morning. Give me a minute here. Um, now this is this is the benefit that if I would have had someone like Leah, she was still around to help me out with this. She could uh, pick up a little bit here. I'm helping a friend of mine, a famous person that has a uh, someone made a. This seems to be a be a thing now. A. Um, hmm. Fake Twitter in their name looks like them. Oh my God, it, it's it's down to the line. Like it's it's unbelievable. I, I should have um, notches <laughs> for how many of these fake ones I've helped to take down. It's unbelievable. I don't know what these people get out of this, what their reasoning is, but I'm helping a friend of mine out with that and looking at a few emails before I came on here a little bit ago. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Why would you want to be a fake celebrity? I mean, be yourself, you know. Uh, <laughs> celebrity is just, just a person, man. Just a human being like you. Pretty crazy. So literally... Literally, what I want to do is speak into my mic. Sorry about that. And think about a few things. Valentine's Day came and went. I was going to do a podcast about Valentine's Day. It just seems like there's a million of them out there. I don't need to say anything more about it. Um, we all know what it's about. It's about mass marketing. It's about love, though. And I love Valentine's Day. It's one of my favorite holidays for the history of it. But it's been done a million times. I did a few small poetry readings. It should be enough. And that should work. Okay. So, uh, my topic today is power stations. Yeah, I bought this, bought this power station today and I was just looking at it. I just got it in. I've played around with it a little bit. I charged it. It charges pretty nicely. And I want to tell you the, the philosophy behind why I, I got this thing. I'm not, um, not really thinking along the lines that this is something that's going to be a uh, apocalypse battery that I want to be taking with me, like, you know, <laughs> on my back and charging my uh, whatever I need. But at his neighbor, Tom Creed, years and years ago, Tom was was a very uh, interesting guy. He was interested in a lot of different things, very eclectic. He had a lot of different interests. He was very much a Renaissance man. I'll put it that way. He was a Renaissance man. And he lived the trailer where my neighbor that was a wrestler eventually lived after Tom passed away. So we'll set that up for you as a backdrop. Uh, two very different people lived in the same house that became very good friends of mine. After Tom passed, this this guy had a wrestling ring out there, so it was very strange. But there must be something about the area that makes people enjoy this eclectic sense of, you know, being interested in something that most people would not be. But Tom was very much one. He he was a machinist in Latrobe up here back in the. 50s and 60s and retired in the 70s so that tells you he retired about the time I was born so he was very much an older man 
and he was really good at what he did with the uh, uh, cutting of, of, of machining of things and being being exact in his in his measurements and all these other so so what you know um, what it means in modern times he was from a different era he was from an era of the Greatest generation, like my dad, and they would sit over there on the porch and have a few beers as a kid, and as a young adult, I would absorb a lot of this knowledge of history of uh, different things. Like Tom would go around and study uh, different uh, furnaces that had been around here back in the times when they did coke ovens and the history of it, and documented so much of it. And he'd make little games out of it. He'd make little games out of it, make it interesting. As a child, he would, me and my brother and sister, he'd get us all interested in something. Uh, something that was obscure, a bit of history that, or knowledge that we would eventually, you know, find find some merit in. He'd make his own beer. He was did the ham radio. He was a master at it. He was really, really an eclectic guy. So I think a lot of the things that, looking back at Tom Creed, I've learned to open my horizons. Things like like uh, oh, space exploration. My dad thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. It was a waste of money. He always said, you know, why would you want to spend all this money to go up in space to look for life when there's life here and people should take care of the life that's here. And there's merit to that. There's a lot of merit to what my dad said. But Tom got me interested in, in space research, you know, investing into it so i had a dichotomy of different different views there of what uh what to believe and what to take in tom did some pretty neat things he took a fishing rod and made it into a way to launch a rope up into a tree where if you had to cut a limb where you had to uh put something up in it because what he would do before he had his big tower he put up for his ham radio he would launch it up into the big pine tree. He'd launch a rope up in and pull his antenna up into the tree where he could, with ropes, align it to whatever angle he wanted to and speak to people all over the world with it. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, and he taught me a lot of how to think outside the box. I would equate him with um, Michelangelo at some points. A lot of ways, Leonardo da Vinci. And I think, I think Leonardo da Vinci was about the closest... You could get to Tom Creed. Uh, I don't. I don't say that lightly. But my man was a genius. He did a lot of the woodworking that I do. I learned a lot from him. And um, yeah, when he passed away, he actually passed away on my birthday. Pretty awful. But um, I think about him a good bit. And when I when I get interested in something. I'm always pulled between those two standards like my father would think, you know, is this worth investing your time and money into? Or Tom saying, hey, you know, this is worth it. If, if anything, you learn what not to do. Very much the same way Edison said to, to make the light bulb. He tried how many times and he didn't fail that many times. You learn how many times something didn't work. So I've sort of been on that, that routine. It, it happened with this whole thing going on that we're all dealing with. I was not looking to be a prepper uh, or get involved in it. I know my neighbor is pretty cool. He's taught me a few things, but to me, 
to me, you know, I, uh, a lot of the skills, canning, a bunch of other issues, a bunch of other things that, uh, these people are looking into now, a lot of the old recipes, the ways to do things, to make your own vinegar, to make sauerkraut, to can foods, to, you name it, the whole line. Making poor man's cake, that's soul food that people grew up in the Depression. I grew up with people that lived through the Depression. And to me, it's like, well, that's something I've always done anyways. Why are you making such a big deal about it? And, uh, you know, I, I've always done a lot of these skills. So to me, it's not, not that big of a deal, but I'm always looking to learn something new. In much the same way, I'm growing plants on my window here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm into all this. And then I started getting into, uh, you know, Tom's not around. He hasn't been around for a long time. A lot of those those people that taught me a lot of what I knew aren't around. So I have the skills I have. I uh, thinking about it. Like looks like growing plants in my window. I I started looking on YouTube. Simple simple thing is like looking on YouTube. And I came across this gentleman, Lead Farmer seventy three. I really haven't haven't uh, spoken with him a whole lot. I watch a lot of his videos. I'm, of course, Bond here and there. I know that... Uh, what's that? Okay. I know that uh, he... Um, he has a lot of videos and live live streams that go on for some some up to a couple hours. You know, he's, he's big into grafting trees, air layering. A lot of these techniques that I had been taught, but... He has a more modern way to do it. He has more like using things like cocoa core and uh, vermiculite. And he has his own bees, so he uses honey. You can use the honey from the beehive to uh, get the trees to create an air layer as a rooting hormone. There's a lot of things he's taught me that I already knew, but I never thought of this modern way to do it. In much the same way, the things I do, like I've learned some modern ways. I always made sauerkraut. My my uncles and all of them were into making them these big crocs, these big German style sauerkraut. And I, I grew up around chemistry labs, so for me, I wanted to make it as high of a quality that I could without having any outside interference of bacteria and things like such and such. So I started making them in the buckets and just making them in the bucket with a little with a bag of water on top, a lid, sitting it for a couple months. And it, it was all right. It was all right. It was good sauerkraut. Mm -hmm. But what I found out in the process of doing it with more modern things is that I can do away with just using the bucket and put a, use the bucket, put a food lining bag inside of it, put your cabbage and what you're do, using to make the sauerkraut in it, keep it as hygienic as possible. And then put the bag of water on top and you get that snow white sauerkraut. I'm using modern ways of doing things for what for the most part would have been done a hundred years ago with what they had. You know, they didn't have plastic like we do today. They didn't have the internet, so.
watching all their videos on. And so I'm not here to teach all these skills to you, but I'm setting up that mindset for you. And I, with these with this podcast and what it's what it's become is more of me of a I, a chance to give a longer dissertation of my thoughts that I did with some of my friends. Some of my friends I've talked to, I don't like the phone, but I'll talk to them for an hour. I used to work with them or I do work with them. And when you're working an eight hour shift and you've got a chance, you're just trying to stay awake and you're talking to people while you're doing things, you get to elaborate on things. And that's, that's important. You want to know the background to it. If I'm in a hurry, I don't want that, but I'm doing that here for you now. So I took Tom into perspective and then this, this lead farmer, 73, I encourage everybody check out his channel. He lives in North Carolina. He's an amazing person. You will learn so much from this man. It's unbelievable. So I like to combine different aspects of what I'm doing across genres. An example of how things cross genres is uh, getting these awls that you sew with for um, heavy canvas and leather and things they use on ships. It's really fascinating, the rope work. My father was in World War II and he was a merchant marine and, you know, he, he could tie some of these most amazing knots and, and stitch things to where they'd hold and not come apart. For the most part, people would say, man, that's a real manly, and I'm taking gender cliches here. I don't necessarily agree with this, but that's a real manly pursuit. This guy is a sailor. Like, he wouldn't look at uh, the, uh, oh, I can't think of the book right now. Jeez, I can't think of the book. I want to get this right. I believe it was Sterling Hedden, am I right? Wrote the book about the, the ship wanderer that he had another fine book to check out. You would not look at him and say, hey, this guy is a not a man. He's, he's tying these ropes. I mean, he's, he's holding the trade of running the schooner. When one of his sails gets torn and he's out on the sea, he better know how to sew that. My dad had all those skills, and I, they were kind of passed on to me. And then I had when my mother did quilting, and I was forced into learning sewing on a sewing machine on a singer in high school where we had to go through home ec and I was at first I'm like I don't want to do this I don't want to care about any of this stuff I'm never going to use these skills but when I when I saw how they merged like the sewing machine and the sewing of these canvas things and the cell the sewing ship the same thing so I kind of overlapped them and I don't mind it and I like, I like using a sewing machine to sew things. I don't have any problem with it. Well, other people are said to me, you know, back, a lot of the older people said, well, back when I was a kid, if a man would be using a sewing machine, wow, we would have questioned things about him. And I just look at them and go, okay, whatever. But uh, that's one example of how things overlap. And if you can see that overlap, it allows you to think outside the box. It allows you to just take a whole different shift, a paradigm shift in your beliefs and your values and what, the core way you've been doing things over and over again and add a new skill to that skill set. It's like, it's like playing a guitar. If you know three chords, great. You can get through most songs. But if you really want to get to know your guitar, do that tablature, get into the classical, 
maybe pick up another instrument that has a whole different uh, chord ratio and see how the cage system works on it and learn that these chords are built up of notes. So with hiking, it's, it's no different in what I've been involved in. You know, I'm, I'm doing the plants, growing my own tomatoes, hot peppers, growing my own stuff, uh, looking into the components of soils, doing grafting and all that. And with hiking, it's always been a matter of the technology wasn't there for what I wanted to do. As far as taking your phone with you, like I have a, I have a smartwatch. Let's say I have a phone. It's this uh, S10 Plus, if it'll actually work within the next week. With these 4G tower changes, I don't know, but it is a pretty good battery. This S10 Plus, I like it, and uh, it I can sit this thing down at night, 98%, pick it up in the morning, and it's at about 94%. So if I'm not hiking, and if I'm not roaming, put it that way, if I'm not where I'm looking for a signal, if I have a signal, I'm fine. It's not going to drain my battery a lot. Now if I start using it, and Let's say I'm through hiking for three or four days. Even even with the Garmin watch, as good as they are, they do drain. They're not totally like they say they're going to last your week. So you can run into where you're in an energy deficit, where you're going to have to take a day, charge your devices. You're going to have to charge that watch up. And it's going to impact you because you're not going to be where you can top it off every day and every day and every day. But now I got into the solar panels and I bought a cheap one. I was really interested in it this, this past summer. I was down at my sister's and they had a uh, one on Amazon. And I said, this, wow, I, I can get Amazon delivery like the next day down here. It's not like at home. And where I'm out in the middle of nowhere. So I ordered this little panel. It's a little, it's a 20 watt panel. And it's a simple little thing. It has a USB Port, and I plugged it in and it works it works efficiently it works very well but I found the downside to it is that when the sun starts going down it draws as well so it'll actually draw energy out of your device so you I'm thinking I didn't know that you know it's actually taking power out of my battery where's it going you know a good bit of electricity What's going out in the solar panel because electricity isn't actually being drawn in. It's a process of, um, what do you want to call it, um, electromagnetic and light frequencies. So, I had to be very careful with that panel, using it. I, uh, <laughs> I found myself at times where I thought I was charging my device and I was actually just giving like. Here, just take some energy. I'm giving it to the universe, which which is fine. I, I I think that's a noble thing. But if you're out and you need it, that's not the energy the universe needs. So I went with Big Blue. And uh, Big Blue says it's a 28-watt uh, solar panel. It folds out in four pieces. It's got three USB connectors on it. And uh, <laughs> you're never going to get the full 28 watts out of it. But... It has a regulator where if the frequency goes down low, it'll reboot itself and it'll change so your phone won't um, lose that connection. Because another thing you'll learn too with the other panels is if you have you have it on your window, let's say you're driving, 
number one, you're not going to be getting the good light because your windows blocked that UV. Number two, you're going to need to kind of shade. You drive under a tree, you do anything. Your phone is going to say, hey, I'm not getting enough wattage. And it's going to kill that connection or put it in a slow charge. With Big Blue, it'll reset. So it kind of shuts itself off and back on so your phone resets that. And it only goes one way from what I've noticed. Um, can it go two ways? Can you can it draw? I haven't had it happen to me. But in all my tests, having it out, hiking in the field, just... I haven't used it a lot in the summer because it's it's been... I just got it in the fall. But it does get hot. I've had it out. The panel gets hot. I've had it in the snow. On a cloudy day, it actually seems to work pretty well. It has its drawbacks to where if you're not getting enough light, it's going to be really funky. It's not going to give you the right amount of charge that you'd like. But for the most part, if it's a nice day, I can charge it about the same as I would with um, plugging into the wall about five five watts something like that whatever it is and it'll adjust to what you're charging so I, I enjoy that i enjoy i enjoy taking that out it's it's portable i can take it to the beach if i'm traveling somewhere and i want to use my phone or i can get an adapter for these things that if your battery's dead and you're out in the middle of the desert and it's 100 degrees, and you need to jump your battery, there's ways you can do it with the solar. So, pretty neat. Then, then I started thinking about it. I thought, well, I'm looking into what Lead Farmer is saying. He's into these jackeries and these other solar panels and, and battery housings or battery solar generators. And a lot of them are way out of my price range. I, I just I just can't afford afford to pay more than $300 for something, and some of them run up to $1,500. So to me, it, it was out of my price range. Then I started thinking about how much I needed them because not so much with, like I have a pump for my car tires. It's come in handy. I have a little battery charger for my uh, car. It's a battery, as plug it in. It's a real smart charger. It'll jump your car. I just used that last week. But I can reach with that pump for the car. No problem. It tends to, though, when it surges, it will blow fuses in my car. And it'll stop. And then I have to go and dig through, through the book, find what fuse it should be for that, that outlet, find a fuse if I have it, you know, you know the nightmare of it. It, under the best of situations, parked in my driveway isn't a bad thing. But if I were somewhere else, it could be life-threatening. For instance, the other reason I got this is because to charge, charge it is not a problem. To put air in my camper tire, the cord will not reach from the car to the camper. So I, I literally have to detach the camper, and when I'm out, if I get the opportunity, back the car to where it will reach and put air in the tire, make sure its, it's pressure's right. Shouldn't be a bad, bad thing to do, 
I'd like to do it beforehand. I'd like to be able to maintain that pressure in the tires on a regular basis and know they're going to work. Because when I was up in Erie a couple of years ago, this was, this was a this was one of my scenarios that's like, why, why did this happen to me? First of all, I'm up on the, the beach, and I had this Amazon Fire phone. Really great, great little phone. And I'm up there, and it, it would act, act up once in a while, which just decided it was going to shut off. Okay. Something happened. Okay, I go to turn it back on. It's, it's not turning back on. I go to charge it. It's not charging. So it's telling me the battery went in my phone. So I had no phone. I had no phone at all. And I'm driving back with a camper on I-79, and it blows a tire. And thankfully, I had somebody else with me. I had a phone that I call. I call uh, AAA. I'm a AAA member. Oh no, we can't come out. <laughs> okay, uh, call the police. Uh, uh, we can come out and look at it, but we can't really help you. So I had to drive and find, detach the camper along the side of the road, drive away, just watching it in my rearview mirror, just sitting there. And uh, one, of the, one of the things you can do, I have to put a gun lock, like the gun locks, put it through the tongue. <laughs> and I, I found this place that had these tires that would work for it. And it, they wanted like 10 times of what they should cost. It was, it was oh my God, it was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> so I got a tire and I go back and I'm, I'm at the side of this, this place on the road where there's just enough room for my camper to be. There's a rumble strip next to the yellow, the white line, yellow line it was. And it's an interstate next to me is a big drop off. So I, I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go at all. And I had to try to take things to with a jack to, to get them under my camper to get it to where I could even lift it up enough to take the tire off because when it blew, it dropped it down to the point that I couldn't get under it. And I'm doing all this and changing the tire while traffic's coming. And I'm doing this in breaks in the traffic, so I'm trying to <laughs> do that. And a couple of times I wasn't too on time with it and I'm leaning against my camper with a tractor trailer going two inches from my back behind me scary as hell so I got it changed and I made it home and went to the camper dealer and they saw these are the tires you need and didn't you know it when I drove 50 miles from that place they were defective tires so you really have to be informed about these things like if you have a camper you can get a tire to fit it, but it may not be rated for it. And some of these places don't always give you the tire you want. So you really have to do your math and your work on this. You shouldn't have to. But having this battery pack made it a lot more convenient for me. And the fact that if I needed to put air in a tire, if it's snowing, if it's cold, if there's ice, if you name the 50 such scenarios I've came up with this this will settle that that issue but but should I go and pay $150 for a battery pack I've seen ones 
Peak makes one. A friend of mine had one. He said, the plug, the plug doesn't work on it. He says, can you take it apart and look at it? So I took it apart. And all they did was took a, a brick from like a, a wall charger, wired it in, and it, the prongs just fell apart on it. So I called Peak, and the guy said, well, that part was made by a different company. We outsourced that. Just throw it away. So, so you had to literally throw the whole battery pack away because of this plug. And he paid a good bit of money for this thing. So I didn't want to be in that situation. And I've noticed a lot of the companies are doing that with those plugs. They're going cheaper. I know on the pressure washer I got this year, I, where you connect the hose, worked fine. I've used it a lot. And there was a thing that came up and said, hey, there's a return on this. You need to return this because they've been known to explode. We redesigned it. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I went with looking into these solar chargers because I can take a 100-watt panel, a 50-watt panel, or I can even take Big Blue, hook it up, trickle charge it. And uh, what Lead, Lead Farmer 73 was saying about were a couple different ones. And I start looking into what I want out of it because you can go all the way up to a Jackery or you can go down to what I have. And what's, what sold me on this one was that it has a uh, LiPo battery, which is a iron lithium battery. You get about 2,000 charges out of it. And that's not like, that's not one like, okay, that's about 10 years, I think. But those 2,000 charges doesn't mean that after those 2,000 charges, your battery's not going to work. It means it's only going to be maybe 89%. So you might lose a 10% of the initial boost you have. So I'm looking at it, and it was, uh, he was looking at one about 300 watt. And I, I saw this one, they read this new one out, and it's about 600 watts. So I asked him about it. I says, uh, I sent him a video on it. And he says, uh, he was talking directly with Energizer about it because it comes with a USB-C port. And he says, touchy, it works. Uh, you see, uh, what did he say here? He says, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's what he's trying to figure out from them what the whole story is. And I'm working with him a little bit on this. I'm going to say, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to see what the real story is here because this battery pack has... Your connector that you'd use for solar or plug it in the wall. It's got what you like to call the cigarette outlet for on a car. It's got three USB ports. It's got two DC ports. And it's got a flashlight, but the, the each one of these you have to turn on manually. So it's, that's what's nice about it is it's not drawing from your battery if you're not using it. But it has that C port that's supposed to be rated... pretty high so it's a c to c i was telling him i think i think the the what i understand it as being is that that c port is a lot like the ones we have at work there's there's computers of all these different connectors and some of them have a c connector to a computer and you can charge your phone with it it's not going to damage it or it shouldn't but that thing's going to give you about 60 watts max so that cord is rated for that. So I think what the problem is people are having with this, this two-way C charger. 
is that, yeah, it's not going to give you 60 watts if it's not, cord's not ready for 60 watts. And I think when people are trying that, it's burning it up. I'm not sure. I'll get, I'm going to get back to him on that. But anyway, I picked it up and I'm really pleased with it. I plugged it in the wall. I was getting about 70 watts with the 70 to 75 watts plugged into the wall. So that's about what I should be getting with a solar panel. And I checked out the uh, air pump from my car and it worked fine. It wasn't pulling a whole lot. It wasn't even pulling what it's rated for. It said on there I should be expecting to pull about 120 to 180 watts. And I was only pulling about 80, 80-ish, 90-ish. I think it hit 100 at one point, but it wasn't real high. Like it wasn't really pulling a lot from it. But I could see that surge in the uh, output. And I'm, I'm thinking that's what happened with the car is when you plugged it in, when I plugged it in, that little bit of a surge between the ampage is what blows fuses. So it won't do it with this. This this can handle that. And that's what it's made for. So I'm really loving this thing. It'll charge a phone, depending on a phone, between 40 to 50 times, sometimes even 80 times. You can run whatever wattage, and they'll tell you right there, based on the math, what it's going to give you. So if you're talking 600 watts, Six hundred watts. And I'm plugging um, six hundred watts, and I'm plugging a, a pump in. It takes eighty to ninety. I'm gonna go hundred just to be safe, or not hundred. It's rated for one hundred and fifty, so I'll go one hundred and thirty. That's what I'm probably gonna be getting sometime. I can go for four and a half hours running this straight if I wanted to. I'm talking my phone, which pulls, because it takes it takes about three watts for the screen to stay on. I noticed that. Um, I'm going to say seven watts, because it's five for the phone and three for the screen to stay on. I can charge my phone about eighty-five and a half times on that battery. It weighs, it weighs a good bit. I'm not going to be hiking with it. But if I'm traveling and I want to cook something, I'm going to make a pot of coffee, I got my little Keurig with me, I got my whatever, I got my little skillet, small skillet, not a big one, small little electric skillet, or a little, my George Foreman grill. Let's see if a George Foreman grill work. Uh, I love my George Foreman grill. So, George Foreman grill. Nah, you're not going to do that. <laughs> Sorry. 1,200 watts. Yeah, no, I'm not going to be able to use my George Foreman grill. That was a thought. See, if I have a smaller one, smaller thing like that, I think, I think the least it goes is six, 750. I didn't realize it was that high. I realized, like, one of the hardest things to run is a uh, hairdryer. But, but for small things, like you can get different different uh, cooking formats that can heat things up. 
I won't be frying a burger. <laughs> but it, it, it'll do a lot of different things mm -hmm. that are small, small electrical, you know. So I, I just wanted to talk about all that, that whole, that whole philosophy going from Tom Creed to, to, to why I'm interested in these things and how it's it just so amazing to set up a solar panel Electricity doesn't cost a lot. Like I, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about this. Isn't the electricity you'd use for your house? Like you're not going to get this and power your house if you are thinking about that. They they do have people that put solar panels on their house. They figure out what the wattage is. They put a big battery and an inverter in, and it it, it does it. That's not this style. This is if you're in a situation where you need electricity, power goes out. Uh, you're not going to run a space heater for like 12 hours on it. But you want to charge your phone. Uh, you want to hook up a modem so that you can get on the internet. You want to charge your computer. You're out somewhere and you want to use um, a camera to go on and live stream something. You want external power source. Oh, it's got all that. It's worth it for that. I believe a small guitar amp would probably do it. If you had one of those small ones, like some of them hit about 200 watts, I'm pretty sure you could do that. I've seen them uh, 160 watts. Yeah. So I could go out and stand on Wolf's Rocks and jam with my Stratocaster if I wanted to. No. It's it's good it's good electricity it's good just to be smart about traveling if you need power for any of those devices tires you're out and about you never know so I've been doing some research in it really want to encourage everybody check out Lead Farmer seventy three and oh my God he is so informative love the guy so that's pretty much with that. To, to wrap it up a little bit, uh, think about a few things this week too. I wanted to mention. My great aunt Dorothea had passed away a few months ago. She had a daughter that had was on hospice from cancer. She was expected to pass away back in August. And the whole time. Dorothy was here. She was talking to her on the phone every night, just saying, I don't know how I'm going to deal with losing my daughter. He lives out in Wichita and lived because a couple of days ago she passed away. Debbie did. And I haven't seen Debbie for many years because I don't get out that way. But I had a lot of fun when Debbie was around. She was fun to talk to. She was an interesting person. She was my mom's age. And uh, she'd saved my mom from drowning at one point when they were younger. So I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Debbie. And I just, this is the energy I like to send to the universe. It's my love for Debbie. Thinking about her, honoring her life right now. Thinking about all the good times we did spend, you know. And, uh, 
Debbie was pretty good character. I liked her a lot. So I'm going to end on that note and love you all. Hope you're all fine. Be good. Listening to my ranting, if you've made it this far, you're, uh, <laughs> you've learned a lot about solar, a lot about how to apply things in different ways. And uh, you will not run out of electricity if you have these things. <laughs> all right, stay good, my friends. Love you.